Good afternoon. I've already heard y'all talking. I've passed by and said, oh, I'm so sleepy. I've heard it. I've heard you. And, and several have said, you're going to have to make this really good if you're going to keep me awake. You know, there are a couple things we could do. We could, you, you could stand, and uh, that would help. Um, somebody said, yeah, but I'm so sleepy, I still think I'd fall asleep. But you'll wake up when you hit the floor. So, I mean, we can do that. Don't, don't do, you know, I heard a number of years ago about a young preacher and, and he would preach and about halfway through his sermon, he noticed he was losing everybody and uh, it was really bothering them. Their heads were down. They weren't engaged and he was upset. They went on vacation and he heard a much older, more experienced preacher preaching and he looked around and noticed, well, nobody's paying attention to him too. Their heads are down. And so he felt a little bit better. But about that time, that older preacher said, and you maybe have heard this, but he said, the best years of my life have been spent in the arms of another man's wife. I mean, I got everybody's head up. They were all like, what? And he said, my mother. And then he went on and finished his lesson. He had everybody wide awake. That young preacher said, man, that is good. And he was feeling around for a pen. He said, I'll remember that. So a couple weeks later, he was preaching. He lost everybody. So he said, I'm going to try that line. And he just stopped in the middle of his sermon and said, folks, the best years of my life have been spent in the arms of another man's wife. Well, all the heads go up like they were supposed to. And he said, and for the life of me, I can't remember who she was. Uh, well, <laughs> don't make me do that. Uh, stay with me. We'll, we'll be done here in just a little bit. I, I did hear also of a survey that was taken once. They, they did a survey of people who fall asleep in church, and the survey said that if you lined up everyone that fall, fell asleep in church, you know, lined them, laid them out flat and, and lined them up, that they would be more comfortable, <laughs> that was the survey. Anyway, if you have your Bible, open it to Luke chapter 7 this morning. And while you're turning there, let me tell you something. Perspective is really important, and not everybody has the same perspective. If we could see things through the eyes of other people, uh, we would see life differently. There, my wife and I are completely different in perspective. Like we will go, like we, we've been to movies before, and as they roll credits before the movie starts, she's already crying. You know, she, she's like shedding tears, and I'm, what, this isn't, like the movie hasn't even started, but she has that perspective that's different from mine. Now, I will say, uh, this is crazy, but you remember the movie Up? Did any of you see that? I mean, it's just like a cartoon kind of a movie. I took my daughter when she was little to see that when it first came out, and I'm sitting there holding on as tight as I can because I wanted to boo-hoo out loud crying at this cartoon. I came home and told my wife and said, this movie nearly killed me. I mean, it was so teared, and I was trying to hold it in, and she was like, it's a cartoon, Steve. And I said, you have to go see it. Well, yeah, she, she didn't make it either, but uh, uh, there, there's perspective. Jesus, if we could see like Jesus saw, we would be so much better people. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 tells us that we need to be conformed to the image of Jesus. 
And I, I, one of the things that Jesus, if we could see through his eyes, there are two things that we would do. We would love righteousness more and we would hate sin more. Um, Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 says that we're to love, let our love be without dissimulation, the old King James says, or hypocrisy. Our love should be without hypocrisy. And we are to also abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. The picture is, man, I want you, it's not hard to find 100 people who love God. Uh, you can go down. Do you love God? Sure. You can ask people on the street. Oh, they love God. Everybody. What's there not to love about God? It's easy to love God, but it's harder to find 100 people who hate sin because we dabble in it too much and we enjoy it. And it's kind of fun and and it makes us laugh and all those kind of things. But if we had the perspective of Jesus, we would learn to not only love righteousness and to love God, but we would also develop a distaste and abhorrence for sin and that's an area where we as christians need to grow this lesson has a, a short sentence in it that is going to be the the thrust of the lesson that i want you to pick up on in just a little bit but let's pick up in verse uh, luke chapter 7 and verse 36 i want to go through the text with you and have a few things to say but uh, one of the pharisees asked jesus to eat with him and he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. Now, this is a big deal. If you're Mr. Pharisee in the first century, you have invited Jesus to come to your house for dinner. That's a big deal. He's an important person. He doesn't go anywhere without a mob of people surrounding him. And, uh, well, I know what it was like when we were, when I was growing up, like I said this morning, my dad and was a preacher for more than 60 years and we had a house right next to the church building and it had well we called it in our house the preacher's room you know we had a room in the upstairs of the house where any guest preachers they stayed with us during gospel meetings and stuff but when it was gospel meeting time my mom would go on this like cleaning frenzy uh, she was already meticulous in her housekeeping but the preachers coming you know, and so we had to have the house. She would pull the refrigerator out and clean behind the refrigerator. I, I would say, Mom, no one has ever pulled the refrigerator out to look back there. Why are we doing this? But it, we have an important company in her point of view. So we had everything just right. Don't you know that this Pharisee was doing the same thing? Surely, this is, an, this is a big deal. We've got Jesus coming to our house today. And he, I'm sure he wanted everything to be just perfect for Jesus. So they get ready to sit down and have this meal. And behold, verse 37, a woman in the city who was a sinner, this sinful woman came to the house, and when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Can you imagine the scene? Don't just read this as a story in the Bible. Put, it, put yourself in the story. This is, you're having a really important guest over to your house and you're getting ready to sit down and, and eat 
And this woman from town that uh, maybe you've seen standing on the street corner, a sinful woman, burst into your house uninvited, throws herself down at the feet of Jesus, and begins crying, sobbing, and tears are flowing and dripping on his feet. And she's taking her hair and wiping his feet with her hair. She has this flask of oil and she opens it up and she anoints, and it's a fragrant oil, anoints his feet and probably just smells up the whole house. You know, perfume is good, but have you ever sat by somebody at church that maybe like spilled a little on them that you'd think? Uh, sometimes it can be overwhelming, you know? And uh, this guy's trying to have this perfect dinner with a very important guest. And this woman from town, who would have thought today she would have broke into my house uninvited and made this huge scene and smelled up the house? <sighs> When Jesus, of all people, was at our house, the thing is ruined. Well, listen to what continue. Now, when the Pharisee, well, who had invited him, saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. Twice now, the emphasis on she's a sinful woman. So he's seen all this go on with Jesus. He thought Jesus was somebody special. That's why he had him over to his house. And now he's beginning to wonder. He's watching this going, wait, if he's a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she is. He wouldn't let her be hanging all over him like that, touching him and, and doing all that. If he was a prophet, he'd know and he would get her away. So I like the next statement. Verse 40, and Jesus answered and said to him, wait, Jesus answered what? Because Simon hadn't said anything. He had thought it. Jesus knows our heart, doesn't he? He knows not only what we say, but he knows what's going through our minds. Because Jesus was God in the flesh and, and he knew what this man was thinking about Jesus, and so he answers not what he said, but what he was thinking. And he said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Well, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. We don't use that coinage. That doesn't mean a whole lot to it. Let's just pretend dollars, okay, just to make it easier. One guy owes $500, the other guy owes 50. Um, and when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave both of them. Okay, so let's say you owe somebody $500 or 50, and the guy comes along and says, hey, you know what, don't worry about it. We're good, but let's just call us even. Jesus said, who of those two would love him more? And Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said, well, you have rightly judged. Uh, that makes sense, doesn't it? The one who was forgiven more would appreciate even more the one who had forgiven them. Then Jesus makes this statement that I think 
causes us to sit up and take notice. In verse 44, he then turned to the woman and he said to Simon, remember the woman is behind Jesus. She had fallen down behind him and was at his feet and doing all this stuff. The woman, Jesus turns around to talk to the woman, but he's, or to face the woman, but he's talking to Simon. And he says this, do you see this woman? What kind of a question is that? Do you see this woman? Of course he saw this woman. This woman burst into the house uninvited. This woman has made a scene. This woman has smelled the whole house up with this fragrant oil. This woman has been holding on to his feet, crying. And Jesus says, do you see this woman? Why would Jesus ask that statement or, or the, ask that question? Because I think it gets to the heart of what this lesson is about. I don't think Jesus saw the woman in the same way Simon saw the woman. And Jesus is going to focus in on that. Simon saw a woman, but he didn't see what Jesus saw. Simon saw a sinful woman. He's already told us twice in the text. She's sinful. She has a reputation. That's the girl downtown. Sinful woman. Simon saw a woman that probably the other women in town couldn't stand. He saw a woman that probably had to walk to the well to gather water in the heat of the day because she would not have been welcome to walk with the respectable women in the morning, in the cool of the day, to get the water. She probably had to walk in the heat of the day. He saw a woman that probably no one in town respected. He saw a woman that probably was a threat, actually, to those other women in town because of their husbands. He saw a sinful woman. He saw a woman that uh, probably had very little self-respect because of what she would do. That's what Simon saw, a sinful woman. She was a sinner. Did I say that? She was a sinner. That's what Simon saw. But Jesus saw more than that. And that's what I want us to focus in. I want us to see people like Jesus saw people. What did Jesus see? Well, he saw so much more. Well, if I can illustrate it this way, my, when, when I was in college, my grandma uh, had developed Alzheimer's. And uh, she came to live with us for a while. And uh, she got to the point where, she, well, I remember the, the first time she didn't know who I was. That, I, I found that like really painful. It, it was hard to imagine that my grandma didn't know who I was. And of course, it wasn't her fault. She couldn't do anything about it. But it was painful nonetheless. And, and when she was at our house, she would sit over in the corner of the living room in, in a chair. And she would just sit there and just blank stare all day long, just straight ahead. Um, if, if my friends had come over 
and uh, had come in the house, and if I would have said, hey, guys, see that, see that woman? What do you see? Their answer would have been something like, I see a woman who's old and maybe dying. I see a woman that doesn't have anything going on upstairs. She's, she's not with us, even though she's in the room with us. But mentally, she has nothing going on. That's about all they could see. But I'm telling you, I could see so much more in that woman who sat in the corner of our house. I could see a woman that uh, my great-grandmother was holding in her arms. I could envision that. I could see a little uh, six-year-old girl with a long dress skipping down a dirt road in West Virginia going to a one-room schoolhouse. I could see that. I, I could see a, a glass jar with a big green lid on it, about that big, that was filled. Whenever we would go to her house, that was the cookie jar and there would be sugar cookies inside of that. And I remember my having to take, you know, two hands to turn that big lid because I couldn't reach, you know, around with my fingers. And I could, I could see that in the woman. They lived in, um, they had a small house. We would stay in the basement in the wintertime. My sister and I would go downstairs. There were two beds downstairs, and they had a little gas furnace downstairs and it was cold um and so my grandma had made a gazillion quilts in her life and so she would put all these quilts on top of us and uh you'd stay warm uh, you couldn't roll over because of the weight you know but you would stay warm i could see that there was so much more like i could look at that same woman and all my friends would be able to see is that's an old dying woman i could see so much more than that and i think that's exactly what's going on in this text and that's why i think jesus calls its attention do you see this woman well yeah but he didn't see what jesus saw See, as Jesus looks at this woman, I think Jesus sees a desperate woman. I mean, how desperate? Put yourself back again. Don't just read this, but imagine what it would be like. Okay, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Let's say we had finished services this morning. How much would it take or how desperate would you have to be to when you leave church just to find some random house down the road here and just burst in uninvited, unannounced and fall down at somebody's feet and just start crying. Can you imagine that? How desperate would you have to be to do that? Some of us would never do that. That's so bad etiquette and protocol and you end up in jail. Somebody's gonna call 911 and, and get rid of you. Um, but Jesus saw a woman, it wasn't any more proper to do that then than it is now. And yet she did it. Jesus saw a woman who was so sick of her situation in life that she threw etiquette and protocol to the wind and said, man, I've got to see this man. He saw the desperation in her. 
that woman, he probably saw a woman who was tired of not being respected, of the, the jeering looks that she must have received from the other people in town. He probably saw a woman who was tired of walking to the well by herself, a woman who was tired of being an outcast and treated as an outcast by respectable people. He probably saw a woman who was tired of being recognized as the sinful woman in town. He probably saw a woman who was tired of men who came and knocked at her door at night but wouldn't give her the time of day during the daytime. All of those things, this woman wanted out. And she knew Jesus was the answer. And so she doesn't care what people think. She doesn't care what people are going to do to her. She heard Jesus is in the area, and she went and threw herself at his feet. That's what Jesus saw. He saw a soul who was sick of sin and desperate for something better. And here's a religious man who saw nothing but her deeds, her sinfulness. Aren't you glad Jesus sees differently than men do? Man, I want to develop the eyesight of Jesus. And lest you think that this is a lesson for somebody else, I mean, this is for us. Can I give you some examples? Have you ever had your phone ring and you go, oh, no, it's sister so-and-so. I can't answer it. Don't answer it. Don't answer it. Because, I mean, we'll be on the phone for another 30 minutes. I, I, we can't do that today. I'm just too busy. I can't take it. Um, have you ever seen somebody who's kind of like the, the odd man out, the social outcast, who's coming your way and go, oh, no, don't make eye contact. I hope they walk on by. And they walk on by and you go, phew, I thought they were going to stop and talk. You see, what do we see? when we see people? Do we see people as inconveniences? People who um, test our patience? People who eat up our time? People who maybe cost us and, and we have to get invested in their lives and take them places and you know things that are inconvenient? Or do we see people who are made in the image of God. And, you know, I talked to a lady on one occasion. She was one of these social outcasts. The harder she tried to fit in, the worse she made it for herself. And if you think that people who are like that don't know they're like that, you're mistaken. She said, I know I don't fit in. I don't fit in with anybody. I'm, I'm odd. I don't know why. I don't know what I can do differently when I try to fit in. It seems like I just make things worse and people don't like me even more. And this woman was desperate to get out of the fringe and just have somebody care and listen to her and talk to her. If I have the eyesight of Jesus, I'll see more than an annoyance in people. I'll see people more than just a distraction from my busy schedule. I'll see them as eternity-bound beings 
who are in need of love and friendship and acceptance and encouragement just like anybody else. So my challenge for you this afternoon is the challenge of seeing people from a more Christ-like perspective. It's easy to size people up and say, they're weird, he's, he's a jerk, you know, and we go down the list of things. When I was a kid, I thought you could call everybody anything except don't, don't call them a fool. You know, you'll be in trouble if you use the fool word, but you can call them everything else. I think that misses the spirit of what Jesus was talking about in the Sermon of the Mount, don't you? Um, we do that, though. We size people up with these little short uh, snippets and say, that's who they are. No, they're much more than we, what, what we label them. See them through the eyes of Jesus. And when you do, you'll not see them just as sinners and as annoyances and as um, drains on your time and resources. You'll see them as people who are trying to go to heaven just like you and who want the best for their life. And maybe it's within your power to help them get there. Let's see people through the eyes of Jesus. And when we do, not only will that help me to conform myself into the image of Jesus, which is my goal in life, but not only will it probably help me to go to heaven, you'll probably help that other person to find their way to heaven as well. If you're here this afternoon and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel? Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that, do that this afternoon. And if you're a child of God already, but unfaithful, and maybe you have some improvements to make in your life, you want to draw the line in the sand this, morning, this afternoon and say, you know what? I want to do better. I, I want to start all over fresh today. We'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.